Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the We Know Ball podcast. I'm your host, Jasper Lindsay. Join with me as always, Gavin Bowman. And Gavin, we have a interesting slate in both the NFL and college football this weekend. How are we feeling about it? Feeling good. I'm feeling good because I, I think we describe it as interesting due to the fact that there are a couple of marquee matchups in, in both college and the NFL. And beyond that, it's kind of take your pick of what you might want to watch, but I mean, heck, man, sure sure as hell a lot to break down in terms of Penn State, Ohio State. We got Dolphins-Eagles on the NFL side of things, so we can talk for hours about the, just those two games alone. And I feel like it's it's weird because looking over this college slate, it feels like if you asked me three weeks ago how I'd feel about some of these games, I'd say they were the marquee matches of the week. I think there'd be a lot more competition for where game day would be, where Fox Sports game day would be, but... You know, we're here and some teams have slipped up. Some teams are suffering injury issues. I think it's going to be a really interesting weekend. And I think we're going to get a lot of answers, especially in college football. Couldn't agree more, especially in the the Big Ten and the ACC. A couple of undefeated teams in each of those conferences going at each other. We'll see. Top 10 matchup in Columbus. I kind of want to start there. Oh, no, we're going to start there. But first, let's get into the agenda for the people. Huge matchup in Columbus, as Gab just mentioned. Some major answers will be answered about the Big Ten East over in Alabama, Tennessee looking to make a statement in Tuscaloosa. We'll see if they can do it. And then a whole bunch of other fun matchups across the country over in the NFL. Got a few matchups that will dictate the top dogs in several divisions. We got the Falcons looking to make a statement against the Bucks. Can they? Who knows? And of course, Dolphins, Eagles in primetime, as Gavin mentioned. But before we get into any of the pro football hype, we got to start with Penn State at Ohio. I mean, this is the game of the week in Columbus. No questions about it. Buckeyes taking on the Nittany Lions in a game that should shake up the Big Ten's East standings no matter the victor. Absolutely. it's It has huge college football playoff implications, too. And also, for Ohio State, this is their game. You know, obviously, they have Michigan later on in the year. That's in the big house, so you're not going to get the home supporters rocking. This one's in Columbus. This, this is the game where playing – in Columbus makes a huge difference because the stadium will be rocking. I'm fucking pumped. This is a battle of two elite defenses. And Jasper, I'm torn. I, I'm seriously torn because I, I don't know which way I want to go. I know we were both so high on Penn State coming into the season. And I'm still high on them. They're they're phenomenal. I mean, you look at the stats. Number one in the nation in sacks. Number one in tackles for loss. Number one in total defense, number two against the run. It's incredible. And then on the offensive side of things, dude, that offensive line is a goddamn brick wall. They don't let anybody through. They're, I think they've given up five sacks all year, maybe four. It's remarkable. Penn State doesn't turn the football over. They've given it away four times all year. They play clean football, physical football. Penn State's going to win line of scrimmage. Like that, that's going to be how they dictate this game, dictate, dictate its tempo. Ohio State, on the other hand, I mean, another phenomenal offensive team. For them to win this game, the offense needs to get rolling. Like that's that's what's going to ultimately allow them to jump out to an early lead and keep that lead uh, throughout the course of the game. Because as I said, Penn State's number two in the country against the run. They're number one in the country against the pass. <laughs> like that defense is fucking unbelievable. I'm excited to see how Kyle McCord handles this. What the what the Nittany Lions throws away? 
I love, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. James Franklin, this is probably the best defense we've seen him have in a long time down in University Park. Obviously, as you mentioned, holding QBs to a staggering 121 yards per game and even more impressive on the ground, 78 yards a game. We could be talking about the best defense in the country taking the field this Saturday, which I'm so excited to see. The question marks for me, as you said, though, come via the offense. Nick Singleton has been nowhere near as impressive as we thought he'd be entering the year. Then you look at a guy like Drew Aller, who's been good. He's protecting the football, obviously. Zero picks, 12 touchdowns. My concern for this Penn State team is they have yet to really win a game on the offensive side. And with this Ohio State defense that stacks up well in comparison, one of these guys is going to really need to make a big play if they want to win this game. Looking over at Ohio State now, they defend the run really well. They've excelled in stopping the pass. Third level, currently ranks fourth in the country. When it comes to offense, we know what Kyle McCord can do. He's stepped up in a huge way. And of course, we can't mention this Ohio State team without talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. What a difference he's made in his last couple games. He has been the guy over for the Ohio State. But where my concern lies for this Ohio State team is their ability to run the football. Where the hell has Trey Henderson been? They currently rank 92nd in the NCAA in rushing yards. And if you look back at those classic Ohio State teams that have won national championships and competed, they've always had a solid run game, whether it be Trey Sermon. um, Oh, my God. How am I forgetting this guy's name? Either way, Ezekiel Elliott. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Holy shit. Bad, bad one by me. But overall, yeah, and this is the angle I'm going to take on this game. I expect it to be a lot like that Georgia-Kentucky game where Carson Beck took his next step. And I think that's going to happen for Drew Aller this weekend. Is this Ohio State defense tough? Yes. But I think Franklin is tired of playing third wheel to Ohio State and Michigan. He has a, the team to beat them this year. And I think he takes down Ohio State this weekend. Man, it's the, the reason I'm so torn. It, it's exactly what you just said. Like, I, I'm not, I have, I have not been wowed by this Penn State offense, not in the slightest. Like, 12 touchdowns, no picks, awesome from Aller. But he's only thrown for. Uh, to like 220 yards a game it, it's nothing stellar these teams like again the reason i'm so torn they look really similar it's incredible credible defenses like elite probably like two of the best five in the country i'm talking about here like drew aller hasn't had to do anything all season it's been penn state's won every single game with their defense that Iowa 31-0 stomping is looking a lot better now than they did a couple of weeks ago. But still, that was all the defense. Same thing with, with Ohio State. Kyle McCord, like, he's done the job when he needed to do the job, especially against Notre Dame. But he hasn't had to do anything special because the defense has held it down. I'm worried that the home crowd in Columbus starts to play a huge factor and Drew Aller makes one of those mistakes. And that results in an Ohio State seven points. And then maybe Kyle McCord hooks up Marvin Harrison for a big play. And then next thing you know, Buckeyes up by two touchdowns and the game's out of hand, you know? So, but then again, it can go in the exact opposite direction because as I mentioned, this Penn State O-line, phenomenal. Ohio State's not going to get any pressure on Drew Aller. Like you look, if you go back to that Notre Dame game, it's not like Sam Hartman didn't have all day to throw. Like, he was well-protected that entire fucking game. It was just tough because the secondary held up for Ohio State, and they uh, stopped Audric Estime. So that's why that's why it can go either way. You can either have McCord make the big play or Aller make the big play. I, I think Aller's more likely to because he'll be better protected. But then again, that crowd's going to play a huge factor. Fuck, man. If I had to pick a side, 
I, I think I'm going to side with the home team in this one. Four and a half points, though, which is the spread right now, is far too many fucking points. Like, this game will be decided by a field goal when it ultimately comes down to it. But, God, I hope Penn State wins, man. I, I just can't stand to see another, another Buckeye team uh, stay in contention for the CFP. Same here, man. And I love that you brought up Drew Aller's passing yards. He hasn't thrown for over 200 yards in his past three games. But that's because he's been blessed with great field position from this defense. If they want to win this game, Penn State is going to have to drive the length of the field on Ohio State at home, which is going to be tough. Nick Singleton has to get going on the ground. That offensive line is so good, as you said. Let's see what Drew Aller can do. I like Penn State in this one, as I said earlier, but you're right. That four and a half points is far too many in the game that is going to be decided by not even a field goal. I could see two or even one point deciding this one. Yeah, absolutely. Also, let's not forget that uh... – Actually, I already mentioned it, but Penn State's number one in the country in sacks. Like, they get after the quarterback. They're going to dominate each line of scrimmage. I just don't know if that's going to cancel out the, the home factor and Drew Aller potentially making a mistake. He hasn't had to do anything this year. Anything. That's my problem. Like, sure, they played some decent teams. Like, that win over West Virginia looks a lot better now than it did at the time. The win over Iowa, same exact thing. But they didn't do it with the offense. It was all the defense. The offense just did its job. Each side's going to have to step up this weekend. And I, I really, really hope Drew Aller can do it. Fuck it. Fuck it. This is a Penn State podcast now. We're riding with the Nittany Lions. Like, we, we need to see this happen. Fuck Ohio State. <laughs> I love it, man. I, You know, I want to believe in this Ohio State team so bad. I mean, everyone does. They're number three team in the country. They got a really solid win against Notre Dame. I just I haven't seen Kyle McCord step up, and I haven't seen Drew Aller step up. So one of those guys, it's going to come down to who can win this game in the offense. Absolutely. I, I mean, I've seen Kyle McCord drive down the field against Notre Dame, you know, in the last minute and get that done. But then again, that's just stepping up when he had to step up. And one of these guys is going to have to play very, very good football for four quarters. And that's ultimately going to be the team that wins. And just because out of Bites for Ohio State. We're riding with Drew Aller. Let's fucking go, Nitty Lions. 100%. All right, jumping over to the SEC, where Bama welcomes the Tennessee Volunteers to Tuscaloosa in a statement matchup for both teams. On the one hand, you have this Tennessee team. It looks like they're trying to solidify themselves as the second-best team in the East. They can do it. Kentucky's fallen off. Missouri looks great, but we'll see what happens. Then, of course, you got Bama, who is just on an absolute revenge tour this year. What are we feeling in this game, Gab? The narrative with Bama right now is, oh, this is the team that's finding its footing. Milrow looks better. The defense is playing lights out. They're they're beating teams. They're back into form. They're making a run in the college football playoff. I'm not seeing that. Like, it's like I said with the AM game. It on paper, I just by the final score, it looked like they won that game in in, in easy fashion, right? That wasn't the whole story. 14 penalties in that game. A couple of turnovers that proved costly for AM. A couple of third down plays that Bama needed to convert just to stay in that game and ultimately win it. Then last week with Arkansas, 24 to 6. You probably, if you're watching that game, you probably turned off your television in the fourth quarter because Bama's up by three scores. Game's out of hand. Oh, what do you know? They only won by three points. This is a team that is close to being there but still incomplete. They're lucky this one's at Brian Denny because I was at the one in Neyland last year and we all know what happened there. Penalties were the killer for them in that game. 
they need to be better about that this year. They need to be a lot better about that. This one ultimately comes down to the QB battle, in my opinion, because I, like Tennessee's defense isn't isn't great. It's also not horrible. So I don't know, man. I'm I, again, I'm kind of torn. I lean Bama, obviously. Nine points is a lot, but I need to see them play some disciplined football, and I need to see Jill Milrow take good care of the football. I love that analysis. I mean, obviously, you have this Tennessee team coming off another big win last week, taking down the Aggies at home. But for me, this Tennessee team has just been very underwhelming offensively. There's still time, but for the most part, I mean, I think we can admit that Joe Milton experiment has failed thus far. But where Tennessee exceeds, Gavin, and this is the big one, is on the ground. The tandem of Jalen Wright and Jabari Small have been phenomenal, currently averaging 230 yards a game. They've also been a lot better defensively. I mean, we expected to put up measly middle of the pack numbers they're doing pretty well against the pass and the run in this one which i think aligns well with what the game plan for stopping bama unfortunately though i think this bama team has their eyes set on revenge you know saban can handle a loss to georgia he can handle the occasional upset by auburn but tennessee bama already lost to one team in orange this year i don't think they're trying to make it to the key for this bama game in this one is shutting down the tennessee offense This Bama team has found their identity and it's stopping teams offensively and forcing them to play at their pace. They're honestly just a better Florida to me. If we're being honest here, they slow teams down, they run the football and they make the pass every now and then. I think the same honestly goes one of two ways. It's either a Bama beat down a Tennessee, get their revenge, make a statement or a close game. That's all about time of possession. I too am leaning Bama pretty heavily in this one. Yeah. You, uh, Bringing up the Tennessee run game is is huge, and I I love the the comparison to a better Florida because at times when I'm watching this Bama team, it's kind of what it feels like, man. Let's not forget, you know, you mentioned Saban can handle the occasional loss to Auburn, they can handle the occasional loss to Georgia, and they like their revenge. They had a chance for revenge earlier this year, semi revenge, because I don't think that Saban was very happy about just narrowly escaping Texas last year. Well, they got Molly walked by 10 at home to Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns. So it's already happened once this year. And I, I, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just not ready to buy into this team fully because Alabama just like, they just, they, they don't look right, man. Their defense is legit. But it's not like the 2011 Bama defense that, you know, won them national championships year in, year out. They're going to have to stop the run. That's that's priority priority number one. You're absolutely correct. Tennessee averages 5.7 yards per rush. That's fucking incredible. Bama gave up 171 yards to South Florida on the ground. Like, that's that's concerning to me. But that passing defense is still very legit. Like, even in that Texas game... Quinn Ewers had to be perfect. He threw for 350 and made some incredible throws just to beat this team. I expect Bama to step up against this Tennessee rushing attack and shut it down, force uh, Milton, pardon me, to make some plays to beat them. And ultimately, that's not what Tennessee is able to – that's not what Tennessee is built on, not not what they're going to want to do. And that's ultimately what's going to win Bama this football game. But on the the flip side – if Tennessee is able to get that line of scrimmage going early, get some push in the offensive line, get the run game going, this could get very sketchy very quick. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Tennessee's defense has definitely 
improved by miles from last year. I mean, they're not playing a shootout every week. They're playing close games. They're playing a lot like Bama. Yeah, we'll see who controls the line of scrimmage in this one, but I lean Bama. Nine points is a lot, though. It's a lot of fucking points, man. Let's also not – let's not uh, forget about Tennessee's D-line. We mentioned their defense being above average, which we were kind of shocked by. It's it's spearheaded by that D-line. Like, they were able to get some, some decent pressure – in that South Carolina game, getting to the backfield, um, it stuffed uh, Texas A&M's ground game. A&M didn't run the ball at all last week. Bama's going to want to run the ball. Like, that, that's what their identity is. Each, each team wants to get it going on the ground. It's going to be interesting to see who can. Yeah, no, 100%. All right, jumping over to the ACC, where we have the big match of the weekend, and that is the Duke Blue Devils traveling to Tallahassee to take on the Knolls in a game. That's sure to knock off one of these ACC contenders. This game's interesting, Gav. What are you looking for in this one? I'm looking for how Duke is going to keep this one close because Vegas sure seems to think this is going to be a fucking blowout. The spread's 14 and a half right now, which is beyond me, kind of reminiscent of uh, Kentucky a couple weeks back when it was beyond me then too, but you know, still, still fell for that bait. So this is a Duke team that is very, very, very good defending the pass. I said it before the Notre Dame game, and I'll say it again. They're number two in the country in opponent yards per completion. They're really fucking good defending the pass. And they get Riley Leonard back this week more than likely. Still not confirmed yet, but more than likely going to get him back. This is going to be about the Duke defense because the Florida State defense is also very good. Uh, Duke's going to want to run the football. That's their identity on offense. Florida State, not the best run defense in the world. They give up 4.1 yards per rush attempt. This, This seems to me like a game that on paper is closer than Vegas has it. I'm trying to find the angle that Vegas sees of where they think that Duke's getting blown out of the water. I expect Duke to keep it close with a physical brand of football, Mike Elko getting the boys ready to go and making Jordan Travis a little bit uncomfortable because that's the name of the game for, for Duke in this one. Yeah. I mean, here, I'll give you what the angle to why Vegas thinks this one's going to be able to out. I mean, obviously, if you asked me three weeks ago, I'd tell you this game is going to be back and forth with the better team, the more physical team winning. But now you got Riley Leonard, who Elko says might play, but is still coming off an ankle sprain. Scrambling and creating on the run are such a big part of Leonard's game that I just don't know how it's going to look coming off the ankle sprain, especially if he's coming back before it's healed. With that being said, though, obviously everyone in the country, including Elko and Leonard, know that they're not going to win this game offensively. But the Duke defense is great. It's not good enough to win them this game if the offense struggles. Overlooking over at FSU. And here we go, Mike Norvell. You want us to all take you seriously as a contender for the CFP? Well, then you have to win this game. FSU needs to find a way to get the ball downfield on the Duke defense. This team is at its best when Wilson and Coleman are getting loose downfield and they're creating quick possessions. The FSU offense struggles when they get slowed down and forced to play slow. If FSU wants to win this game decidedly, they need to run the football. If FSU can run the football, they'd be the complete offense we've all been looking for, but it just hasn't happened this season. I feel a lot better about them as a team overall, though. I think I'm nitpicking the Seminoles are going to win this football game, whether or not Leonard plays. Mike Elko and Duke are a good football team. We're not taking anything away from them, but they ain't winning the ACC good. 
No, they're not that good, but they're good enough to stay in this game, I think. it's. I'm, I'm just looking at it right now. Like, Florida State, you're right. They need to run the football because, as I mentioned, Duke, number two in the country in, your, in opponent yards per completion, number 45 in opponent yards per rush attempt. They're not that good against the run. Now, this is a Florida State team that is predicated uh, – well, nah, the offense is good in, in, in both regards. They average 5.5 yards per rush. So, actually, you're absolutely right. Get the run game going. Name of the game for this fucking Florida State team. And, yeah, on defense, make Riley Leonard uncomfortable because while, while his game is predicated upon getting outside the pocket and scrambling a little bit, he's protected well. Duke only gives up one sack per game. That's really, really fucking good. Offensive line holds up. So look for Florida State to get the run game going on this one. You're absolutely correct. Look to make Riley Leonard a little bit uncomfortable. And that will allow Jordan Travis to maybe open up the pass game a little bit, find Keon Coleman, find uh, Johnny Wilson. A little bit torn on this 14 and a half. I, I keep going back to it just because it's a lot of fucking points, man. But I've already gotten burned one time this year on that, so I'm very, very skeptical now. I think you have to buy the point there, at least get a push. I, I don't know if Florida State wins this game by two touchdowns, let alone three scores, but I just think they have the better team, and I think Riley Leonard coming off this ankle sprain is a bigger deal than people are making it out to be. I mean, obviously, Vegas doesn't believe believe it's a game decider, but yeah, I really don't know what to see in this game. This game is kind of a pick for me. Crazy, too, because like, even last week, you know, Duke gets North Carolina State at home. They start Henry Bellin. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And the offense looked fine. Like, they were running the ball effectively. Like the band all year, they averaged 5.5 yards per rush. Each team is going to want to establish the running game. I think you're right. I think Florida State will do a better job of it. But each, you know, it, it, Florida State being at home, the lettered injury, that's going to play a huge factor in this one. I just don't know if it's two touchdowns big. I do expect Florida State ultimately come out with a win, but in classic Mickey Mouse top four fashion, it won't be pretty. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean, if they do get this win, then it's time to give uh, Mike Norvell his respect. Maybe. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. All right. Round up with the game of the week in the Pac-12, and that is Utah traveling to South Central to take on USC. And for Caleb Yavin, Huge game. Can you bounce back against yet another defensive challenge? Utah is going to try and wipe this USC run game off the table completely. Without Cam Rising, this Utah offense isn't nearly good enough to beat USC on the road. Can Caleb regain his form and run this Utah team right out of the Coliseum? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, he can't. Uh, Speaking of too many points, this is, of the games we talked about, this is the one... I feel the best about USC minus seven is blasphemous, blasphemous, man. This Utah team gives up 2.4 yards per rush attempt. USC is not going to move the ball on the ground, like not even a little bit. US or Utah is going to dominate the line of scrimmage. Like that, that's, that's what's going to happen and force Caleb to beat them, which he can, Sure, it's Caleb fucking Williams. Like, that's what he does. But again, we talked about this in the recap. You can't expect Caleb Williams to play flawless football week in, week out, and win the football game. And on the Utah offensive side of things, I've 
I've done nothing but attack this Utah team all year for their inability to get anything going on offense. Well, guess what? If there was ever a defense to do it on, it's this sorry-ass Alex Grinch-led USC Trojans defense. Utah's going to keep this one close, even without Cam Rising. They'll be able to move the ball just enough to make Caleb make some plays, drive in and drive out, and and win the football game in that in, in that fashion. So, man, like I, I'm over this USC team getting all this respect. They don't fucking deserve it. Call me a hater. I don't care. I I like Utah in this one. I really do. And they play USC well historically. They've won three in a row against this team. Dating back to 2017, they've either won or kept it within seven points. Sorry, dating back to 2016, they've either won or kept it within seven points on one, two, three, four, five, six, eight of nine occasions. Like, these are two teams that play each other close. Utah's going to be physical. And if Cam Rising plays, which he probably won't, they're going to win this game. They're going to win this game. Wow. I mean... Yeah, they're gonna make you. They're gonna make USC one dimensional. Caleb's gonna have to win this game, obviously. But I feel like Caleb can win this game. You know, I mean, you your favorite stat, other than how bad USC is at defense, is how bad Utah is on the road, and they're on the road here in Pas or in, in South Central to take them on at the Coliseum. So I, I just don't know, man. I feel like Utah just without Cam Rising, I I can't give them this one. It's so yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, this one's tough. It's just, wow, yeah. I, I can't decide who I dislike more, the Utah offense or the USC defense, man. It's fucking crazy. It's What it comes down to for me is how effective can Caleb Williams be against this Utah defense? Like, it's not like they're phenomenal against the pass, but USC is going to have absolutely zero run game in this one. Zero. So, fuck, man. If if Utah can just score like fourteen points, this game this game could be decided by seven points. But actually, you're 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 probably right. Thanks for keeping me in check. Because I'm looking at this Utah schedule and what they've done. It's just so not stellar, man. So 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 not stellar. I mean, thirty four points last week, but that was at home against Cal. I don't care. Seven points the week before on the road against Oregon State. 14 points at home against UCLA. 20 points on the road against Baylor. Fuck, man. This is probably the most unexciting top 25 matchup of the year, in my opinion. In a game that preseason, everyone's probably circling going, oh, this could be a big one in Pac-12. It's sad that we've come to this now, that it's two teams that are probably ranked higher than they should be. Oh, I, I almost just want to like remove myself from the conversation because I can't decide who I like less. I mean, props to Utah for staying ranked, but I think what this game comes down to for me is USC didn't lose that game last week because of their defense. I mean, they held Sam Hartman to under 130 yards. They kind of stopped estimate. They lost because Caleb Williams turned over the football. And obviously you mentioned like Utah's prowess in the trenches, but I don't think Caleb's thrown three picks in this one. If it was in Salt Lake, you would, but <laughs> it's not in Salt Lake. So, I 
I, I expect bounce back from Caleb, but now, yeah, now that you, you, you've kind of talked me out of this, this plus seven spread, which I appreciate that because now thinking about it more, it probably makes sense that USC is that big of a favorite. Yeah. If, if, if Caleb can, can get it going and not turn it over, they'll win this game easily just because it's Utah. It's just so bad. You're right. You're right. But like, Arizona State's offense is bad too. It's not like Arizona's a great offense either. And USC's had trouble with all these teams. So fuck, man, I'm torn. All, all I know is if you want to watch two of the most fraudulent teams in the Pac 12, tune in and watch this game at 7 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. Yeah, I think Arizona and Arizona State both have better passing games than Utah, though. I mean, yeah, they do. They do. Just what what's Utah's path to 14 points? I know this USC defense is bad, but if they're stopping Sam Hartman, I don't see Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson getting loose on them, you know. Their their path to 14 points is is uh getting turnovers in USC territory. That's the only way. Yeah. No. All right. Well, that rounds up the big games for the power five. We'll see what happens. But uh we got a couple other games we like on the slate here. And Gav, my eyes immediately dart to this Wazoo Oregon game. Another game where if you asked me three weeks ago, I would have had this game circled on my calendar. Obviously, Washington State has taken a step back, but can Dan Lanning bounce back after a tough coaching job versus Washington where he made some questionable calls? We know what the Cougars want to do, and that's turn this game into a track meet. Can this Oregon defense bounce back and out-physical this Washington State team, as has been the formula for stopping Cam Ward this year? They should be able to. I mean, they're they're at home. <clears throat> this is an Oregon defense that they get pressure on the quarterback. That's what they do. They just got out, you know, they just played in a game last week against one of the best teams in the country. So be it. To me, this is all about just not falling into the trap of, you know, playing a team that's a step down from last week at home and being lethargic. They're 20 point favorites in this one. Like that's, this one should be a blowout. But let's not sleep on Cam Warden company because if Oregon is unable to get after the quarterback, Cam Ward's going to sling it, man. That's what he does. He's going to sling that football. Washington State is going to get down the field quick. And, and you know, if if Washington State gets out to an early 7-0, 10-0, 14-0 lead, I wouldn't be all that surprised. I do expect Oregon to still make a comeback in that scenario. But in a, in a perfect world for the Ducks this week, they just come out and curb stomp them early and often, which is what I think will happen. But also, like I said, wouldn't be shocked if they come out lethargic and Cam Ward uh, makes them makes them or reminds them that he can still throw that thing. Yeah, I don't think nothing strikes me about the Oregon defense is physical, and I think that's where I see a little bit of a path for Washington State to make this game a shootout. I don't see Oregon really getting after Cam Ward the way UCLA has or Oregon State has. Those are defenses that force you to play in the trenches or not Oregon State. Sorry, who was other Washington State's other bad loss? Arizona. Yeah, I don't see like I see it being a track meet, if anything. I mean, yeah, I just I don't see the physicality from Oregon's defense. You know, you know they're, they're, uh, they're top five in the country in sacks per game right now. They get almost four sacks per game. It's crazy. Really? And it goes it goes under the radar because Bo Nix is just great and the offense is phenomenal. But this this organ this organ defense is is better than, than most people give it credit for. I, I I just think Washington is is that good. <laughs> like that that's what happened last week. Like Washington is that good. But it's not to say that again, they can come out very, very, very lethargic, almost like a hangover kind of deal. 
and yeah, I, I know you 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 love these Cougars, so let's uh, let's not sleep on them. A game that I have my eye on, and Jasper, you're gonna roll, you're gonna roll your eyes and laugh at me, and I'm gonna laugh at myself just saying this out loud. I think I know. I think you know where I'm going with this one. This is the matchup of game management 101. I'm talking about Dabo Sweeney versus Mario Cristobal. Clemson versus Miami down there in Coral Gables. I am so excited to watch this one to see which team wants it less. <laughs> that's what that's what this game is all about for me. It's two teams who are out of the ACC picture. They're done. Season's over. They're gonna go. They're both gonna go to bowl games. It's not gonna be a New Year's Six game. There, there is plenty of pride at this point, and. I'm excited to see which coach is worse. Like that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate story in this one for me. It's crazy right now. Clemson is a three-point favorite on the road in Miami. A Miami team coming off of two horrific losses. Excited to see how they bounce back and prepare for this Clemson team that's just been a goddamn wild card this year. Should have won that Florida State game. Obviously, a horrible loss to Duke week one in the season. And a Miami team that has just fallen off a cliff, man. They were, as of two weeks ago, they were number two or number five in the country, pardon me, in opponent yards per rush attempt. They were great against the run. They've fallen all the way down to 35th. Like, they're 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 just playing some horrible football. Mario Cristobal doesn't want to manage a game, but he might have learned that from Dabo because Dabo is the fucking best at not managing a game. I'm so pumped because these are two of my favorite teams to love, two of my favorite teams to hate on, two of my favorite teams to talk about. Absolute coin flip of a game. Let's see how it goes. How weird is it going to be seeing Clemson in the Cheez-It Bowl this year? <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. It's going to be wild. Or the fucking, uh, fucking Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. That would be awesome. Oh, man. Give them the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Dabo in Mayo with the Mayo dump. Oh, that is just gonna be perfect content, and then and then he'll he'll go crazy and 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 thank God for blessing him after his team goes fucking eight and five. Oh my God, dude, it's gonna be ridiculous. Either way, yeah. weird one. My uh, the last game I really want to talk about though is this Ole Miss Auburn matchup. Doesn't matter who you're going into, like it doesn't matter who you are going into a road environment. The SEC is tough. Will Ole Miss get a win here and bring themselves back in the hunt for the West? Can Auburn and this Hugh Freeze offense get going? They won't give me the Rebels in a statement win. Get me Lane Kiffin back on track to make a statement in the West. I don't know. What are we thinking in this one? <laughs> the uh, the Auburn QB room, man. That's just what comes to mind when I think of this fucking Auburn football team. They don't have a quarterback. They they all suck. They're horrible. But as you said, I mean, Georgia struggled going into Auburn and, and coming out with a win. Imagine what's going to happen when Ole Miss trolls in there. It's an absolute trap game for Ole Miss um, as they look ahead the rest of the season. I think they've got some big matchups coming up, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double-check on this. Yeah, not really. But Auburn this week, Vandy next week, and then back-to-back weeks against AM and Georgia. <clears throat> look for Auburn to get the ground game going on this one. This is an Ole Miss defense that, as we mentioned a couple of times, is not what we thought they were going to be. And Hugh Freeze looking to get the Auburn team on track. It's, it's, you know, an Auburn team that is 
probably better than most people thought they were going to be coming into the season. Um, they're looking to go bowling, looking to get on track for the future. I think they're a quarterback away. There's a ton of talent all over the field for this team. Just be careful, Lane Kiffin. Be very careful. I like Auburn to cover the spread in this one. It's six and a half. But I also like Lane Kiffin and company to sneak away with the victory. <clears throat> As well. And I love that you mentioned the spread because that brings us to picks. And Gav, my first pick of the weekend, I'm going to steal before you do. And that's Penn State plus four and a half. Yep. Saw it coming. It's all good. Um, I came prepared with the backups in case. Uh, where did my picks go? Oh, my God. I lost them. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <clears throat> for my first one, I am going to go with Utah and USC under 53. Caleb is going to get it going a little bit. But as we mentioned, Utah's going to score like seven points in this one. And they'll be able to hold USC in check just enough to keep this one under. <clears throat> um, I mean, Utah under has been a cash cow this year. Obviously not last week when they put up 34 in Cal. Uh, but they held Cal to 14 points in this one. They'll be able to hold USC in check just enough to keep it under Utah, USC under 53. Love it. My eyes also dart to another game we mentioned, and that is Washington State plus 20. I think 20 is a lot of points for that Oregon team, man. I think Cam Ward, we know how fast he can get down the field. If they can get some quick strikes going, this game will not be a 20-point thromping from the Ducks. I agree. Uh, For my second one, fuck fuck it. I'm, I'm falling for the trap again. Duke plus 14 and a half. I don't care. Sue me. I'm I'm falling for the trap. Go for it. I like it. All right. My final pick of the weekend. TCU, Kansas State, over 59 points. This game screams 43 to 45 to me. (laughs) Points, 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 and more points. Uh, Speaking of points, I am also going to stay in the totals ballpark. I'm looking at two teams that love to throw it. And they love to get thrown on. I'm talking about South Carolina and I'm talking about Missouri. Over under 60 right now. A lot of points. It's going to soar over Mizzou, South Carolina, over 60. I like it. All right. I think we got some winners this weekend. I like this one. Fucking hope so, man. We could use a bounce back week. We definitely use a bounce back week. All right, that wraps up college football. We'll have more for y'all on Tuesday, but we got to move into the NFL where we have six teams on a bye this week. Lighter schedule, but Sunday is Sunday regardless because we got some matchups on this slate that are pretty intriguing. And it starts with a one-loss Lions team traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. How do we feel about this game, Gavin? This one is likely the game of the week for me. This one, to me, it's crazy that I'm saying this because preseason, I probably would have said something, something a little bit different. This one screams defensive struggle to me screams defensive struggle we're, we're talking about a lions team that's got one of the most explosive offenses in football and a ravens team that still has lamar jackson at quarterback but my god have these defense just stepped up in recent weeks right and that's what's been kind of east team's identity for a short time here um ravens favored by three points at home seems pretty accurate but detroit man they're on the cusp of elite, and that's what this game's all about for me. Dan Campbell and company, they come into Baltimore, get a statement victory, go to 6-1. and one. They establish themselves as serious, serious threats in the NFC. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And we talk about a week-to-week league this year. The Ravens are a week-to-week team. The key for this one, for me, for this one, is how well this Detroit O-line plays. Because if they go out there and they shut down the Ravens' pass rush, gosh, we'll have all day to make plays to Amon Ron Laporta. On the flip side, if the Lions get after that Baltimore O-line, get pressure on Lamar, we've seen this Ravens offense get out of sync under pressure. It can happen, especially with the drop passes in their receiving core this year. With that being said, though, I feel like the Ravens are itching for a statement win, and being at home really helps them here. Ravens minus three is a weird line, and I've said it all year. See a weird line, take a weird line. Not to get into my picks too early, but I like the Ravens minus three in this one. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, I, what I need to see from the Ravens first, though, is <clears> – and this has been, this has been you know – we talked, we, we recapped their game against the Titans earlier in the week. And you made a point, Jasper, which is a very good one. Even in their wins, they've looked so sloppy. Last week, like it took six Justin Tucker field goals for them to win that game against a Tennessee Titans defense that's not good. Like they're, they're bad. And my mind immediately darts back to the Indianapolis game where they lost they couldn't they couldn't convert once they got into indie territory and that's been the story for the ravens team for a lot of this year they can get the ball into enemy territory they just cannot convert it into seven points they're gonna have to do it this week against detroit field goals are not gonna cut it because the offense is gonna get going they got a case of the Derek Carrs in the red zone right now, so we'll see if they can write that one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, Baltimore being at home, I think, plays a huge factor in it. But jumping over to a matchup that I have my eyes on in the NFC South, and that is the Falcons traveling to Tampa to take on the Bucks. On the one hand, you have this Falcons team that just finds ways to win, despite Desmond Ritter being a terrible quarterback. And on the other you have the Bucks, who either look phenomenal one week or bad the next, and... Yeah, I don't I don't know how to lead in this one either. This is an interesting one, especially with AFC South on the line. Or the NFC yeah. South. Yeah, really, really weird one for me too. They talk about the Falcons team finding a way to win. It wasn't the case last week. Devin Ritter lost them the game last week. He's horrible. He's he's not a good quarterback. Really bad, actually. And on the flip side, you got a Baker Mayfield-led Bucks team that I have no idea what I'm gonna get week in, week out from this team. It's it's weird that these two teams are battling for first place in their division because they both belong in the fucking cellar. God, I don't know which way I lean. Again, another one that kind of to me seems like a defensive battle, right? I mean, this is a this is a Buccaneers team that looked pretty pretty bad against the Lions last week. Lions pretty good defense. Atlanta's a good defense. They're holding opponents to 4.7 yards per play this year. That's good for sixth in the NFL. I think that's going to play a huge factor in this one down there in Raymond James. Yeah. Atlanta's going to be able to hold the Bucks in check for the most part. It's going to be up to Desmond Ritter to get it going. I don't trust them. This game, for me, for some reason, screams like 16 to 10. Like, I just see neither team getting going. It's just an interesting storyline with – which team can squeak out a victory and maybe commit less turnovers. That's the story for me in this one. Who can hold on to the football and make the big play in the fourth quarter? Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head with that defensive shootout. The over-under is currently set at 37 and a half. 
I mean, that's the perfect line for this game. But uh, I think the thing we got to talk about here, though, is Baker has been an every other week quarterback. So he had his bad week last week. Is this going to be another good Baker week this week? Probably. <laughs> he's, he's a fucking wild card, man. You never know what to expect. But yeah, I uh, I lean Tampa there. Just because I, I I mean, dude, Desmond Ritter is really, really bad. It's crazy. We were talking, we were talking what a week or two ago about if Atlanta's in the hunt, do they go out and find another quarterback? Which is kind of crazy to think about that a team in first place in their division would be looking for a different quarterback. Not not too crazy to think about that after what I saw last week. They should trade for Derek Carr. <laughs> just, just keep him in the division, just uh take Derek Carr. Fuck man. Well then then they would surely not convert in, in in the red zone. That's uh that's what Derek Carr does. Yeah, exactly. Right. All right. Sunday night football. Last game we got to highlight before we jump into some other games that interest us this week, and that is the Dolphins at Eagles. And for me, this is another prove it game for both these teams, Gavin. Yeah, this is absolutely the game of the week, in my opinion. I know Lions Ravens will be fun, but I think this one's gonna be awesome. Dolphins traveling to Philly on Sunday night. Eagles minus two is the line right now. This one's all about can the Philly uh, defense hold this explosive Dolphins offense in check? We talked last week or during our recap about Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense playing some real defenses and struggling. This Dolphins defense is nothing to write home about this year, which is crazy because they got so much fucking talent, right? but they have not been wowing me on that side of the football. As a matter of fact, they've been doing the exact opposite. They're bottom half of the league in yards per play. So I do expect Philly to get the ball rolling in this one. And for that reason, I lean them in this game because it's also in Philly. Crowd's going to be a factor. Miami will move it a little bit, but this Eagles defense is still very good. It's still able to stop the pass to a certain extent, able to stop the run to a certain extent. Their top half in the league in total defense. I I, I seriously think they win this game simply because it's in Philly. If it's in Miami, I think I got the Dolphins in this one, but I'm taking Philly because it's in Philly. I like it. I mean, in the case of the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel, Daniel, this is like a let's see if you're a legit game. Can you win against a contender in prime time? Put the league on notice. For the Eagles, they got to bounce back from last week's loss to the Jets. If this game turns into a shootout, can the Philly offense keep up with Miami's fast-paced offense? No. So it feels like Philly's going to try and come out and rely on their defense. This game feels a lot like the Dolphins-Patriots game from earlier in the year. Low scoring, physical. If that's what it turns to, I lean Philly as well. I like that. It's almost like a combo of the, of the Patriots game and the Bills game. But the Bills have a better defense than Philly, which is why they're able to um, hold two and company in check. I agree. I, th- I think it's more like the Patriots game, except I got the, the Eagles coming out on top um, because they can actually play some offense. Exactly. So we'll see how that one turns out. All right. Games to watch this weekend. And my eyes actually dart, Gavin, to tonight's matchup. You got a sneaking competitive one to open the weekend. Jags trying to solidify themselves as the AFC South favorite. The Saints just trying to figure things out. Now that I kind of have an outsider perspective on Derek Carr, and I can see why some, not me, never me, may, might criticize him as not being a very good quarterback. He hasn't exactly looked like the guy to take this team to the top in the AFC South. Regardless, I think this will be a much better game than people expect and think 
I think primetime Derek Carr gets things done, man. Primetime Derek Carr gets things done. How about short week defenses? They get things done. And that's the story of this game for me. I'm right there with you. I got the Saints in this one. It's a short week. They have the better defense. This is this is the exact flip-flop opposite of Buffalo going to London when the Jags had already been there for a week. You have a team that is at home. The Jags were, quote-unquote, at home in London. Uh, short week, both teams are tired. The Saints have the better defense. Their defense is legit. It got kind of eaten alive last week by C.J. Stroud, but that's an offense that is very good. I like the I, – again, I just keep saying defense, 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 but that's why I like the Saints in this one, man. And Derek Carr will take just good enough care of the football against the Jags defense that's nothing to write home about to get him a win in this one. A Jags team that looked good last week, sure, but I'm not quite sure they're finding their footing yet. They got a win in London against a jet like Buffalo team. They come back, get a win at home against a Colts team that has just lost their starting quarterback. Maybe they're starting to find it. Maybe I'm wrong, but give me the more physical team in this one. I agree. It's a very, very intriguing Thursday night matchup. My eyes. Jasper, can we talk for a second about Raiders Bears? Just for a second. Every game I have circled on my list here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you time here to to, to talk about your Raiders going on the road to Chicago. Dude, this might be the worst game of the year. (laughs) I can't even lie to you. This might be the worst game of the year. I mean, you have Jimmy G, who's probably out. Justin Fields, who's probably out. This is going to be hysterical levels of poor play at the quarterback position. Plus, now you have Devontae Adams all mad and talking to the media, so... Yeah, nothing nice for the Raiders, nothing nice for the Bears. This game's just going to be ugly. It could be like, dude, it could honestly be 6-3. I was going to say, do you think they'll more than 15 points scored total? Dude, I don't know. I really Are we, we going to see defensive touchdowns from both teams? That could be wild. No, so just, just the, the Raiders don't turn over the football. We don't turn over the football. <laughs> you, you, know, you, just, you just punted a lot. Dude, yeah, we just punt. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a special teams. What we talked about Iowa's punter Tory Taylor being the player of the week. Watch for uh, AJ Cole and whoever the Bears guy is to be the players of the game in this one. Fucking awesome, man! I am excited for some poor, poor, poor football. But on a serious note, um, do you think that the Chargers stand any chance in Kansas City this weekend? They always plan close. Dude, I feel like they do. I mean, I, I I feel like the Chargers could even win this game. Like, it's just – this is such a weird season for the Chargers that it would make sense if they lost the bad teams and beat the good ones. But, obviously, Kansas City has one of the best defenses they've ever had, which is weird because it doesn't feel like they have a lot of guys over there, but they're getting things done, man. A lot of former Badgers on that squad, and they just play – they play teams tough. I mean, that's why they're winning games right now because the offense has not been – has not gotten going at all this year. So – Kansas City is winning games on the defensive side of the football right now, and that's where the Chargers struggle to win games. I mean, they've looked good offensively, not great. Obviously, I mean, if Mike Williams is still out, and I think he is. Yeah, he's out for an extended period of time. That's going to hurt them a little bit, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they need to get the ground game going. Eckler did not look good against the Cowboys this past week. I'm a 
I'm almost expecting a bounce back week for them. Like this is this is make or break. I think they're sitting at like two and four right now, right? Or am I yeah. wrong about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're as bad as the Raiders. It's crazy. No, they're worse than the Raiders. Uh-huh. They're they're worse. They're yeah, they're two and three. They get two and four. It's it's like we were talking about with the Bengals, man, with with my Seahawks. Two and four is a place that you you almost don't come back from, yeah. especially in especially in that uh, division, that conference. So big game for them. And the Chiefs also like it, it, this game just is, is very, very reminiscent to me of that fucking Seahawks, Beng- Seahawks Bengals game last week. Like a Seahawks team that if we lost that game, so be it. If the Bengals lost that game, uh-oh. Same shit here. The Chiefs lose, okay. The Chargers lose, uh-oh. I, I kind of like LA in that one. It's weird to say that, but I do. I do as well, but I think the narrative has to be – I think we have to, like, stop out the narrative from now on that the AFC West is a good division. It's not. I mean, you'd think there's all the talent in the world, and there is, but they just can't play as a cohesive unit no matter what you do. I mean, it's pretty crazy how bad the AFC West is this year. Yeah, it, it's there's the Chiefs than everybody else. I mean, we all expected the Raiders to probably finish and bring up the rear there, but the Broncos are horrible. And really bad. the Chargers dropped the two and four. Brandon Staley has to be gone. He cannot stay another week with the amount of talent that this team has. Yeah. Yeah. Will he be the first coach fired this year? Probably. He probably should be. So, yeah. Uh, I can see. I it. mean, who else could get the axe early? McDaniel. <laughs> You're three and three, though. If Josh loses the Bears, though, I mean, fuck, dude. Because so much of his, like, whole shtick relies on Jimmy G being the quarterback, but Jimmy G's getting hurt now. So, like, I don't know. It's so weird. Apparently, Aiden O'Connell's going to start over Hoyer. I think that's a mistake, because Hoyer was kind of slinging that thing last weekend. Hoyer looked good, man. It looked like he actually understood the offense. Yeah. I mean, can anyone understand Josh McDaniel offense? Who knows? Well, either way, should make for a great McDaniel minute come Monday. (laughs) I'm excited for that. Oh, yeah. All right, let's jump into picks here, Gavin, round out the show. Who do you got? Uh, why don't you go first? Because I seem to have lost my pick, so I got to do it on the fly. <clears throat> All right, I got Ravens minus three. Saw a weird line, take a weird line. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna trust Vegas here because Vegas is be- is begging us to take the Lions in this one. Yes, yes, they are. Um, and so, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay in a similar ballpark. Semi weird line. We talked about it. I'm talking about tonight's game. I want the Saints minus two. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right. Next game I'm going to is the Bills. Pats over 41 points. I think Buffalo could maybe cover that one single-handedly. Bills, Pats over 41, you said? Yeah. Trusting the 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 Patriots with an over is just so, so sketchy. And but- man, last time it was uh, Pats-Jets, I believe, and the over was 39, and they got there. So Yeah, they just they just squeaked their way over. That's right. Um, we talked about, oh, this feels so weird taking it, but I think I'm going to have to, we talked about, uh, you know, the chiefs not really having a lot to play for this weekend. The Chargers having everything to play for kind of lean, makes me want to lean the under there. Maybe the chiefs don't score a whole lot of points. Maybe the Chargers just, we got a victory 23, 17, somewhere in that ballpark. The number's 48 right now. It seems like a lot of points. I'm going to take chiefs Chargers under 48. I like it. All right. I'm rounding out my picks with the Browns minus two and a half versus the Colts. 
Yes, they're on the road, but they're just the more physical team. I mean, I think they're going to take it to the Colts. I think they actually match up pretty well, but I still like the Browns a little more, especially given Gardner Minshew and the quarterback situation over there in Indianapolis. Sure. It's, uh, yeah, Gardner did not look good last week against the Jags defense that is by no means phenomenal. So for my third and final pick, fuck, man, where do I want to go with this one? Mm, I got burned last week on this. I don't give a fuck. I'm going back to it. It seems like when I get burned one week on something, I go back to it. I usually do pretty decent at it. So I think I'm going to stick to that trend. Give me the over in the Seahawks game against Arizona. The number is 44 and a half. I expect the Seahawks to be able to move it well on this Arizona team, especially at home. And I expect Arizona to move it decently against our defense because that's just what people do against us. Uh, over 44 and a half Seahawks cards. I like it. This is going to be a weird Josh Dobbs game, I feel. Right? That's kind of what I'm thinking, too. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up our show. We will obviously see you guys on Tuesday to break down all the action of the weekend. And, yeah.